The Twins 2023 season comes to a close after losing back-to-back games at home to the Houston Astros in the ALDS. Tonight, they fall by a score of 3-2. to two. We're here to break it all down. What's up? What's up? We're back in the lab, back at it. Another Minnesota Twins postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Brandon Warren, host of the Locked On Twins podcast. Go follow him on X, at Brandon underscore Warren and Brandon before we jump into all the action from game three let me remind everyone this postcast episode is brought to you by Jace Medical empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat over 50 types of infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com all right, brother, let's just jump right into it, man. Twins kickoff game four at Target Field. Do or die situation. 2023 season on the line. Joe Ryan on the mound. I thought he looked good, all things considering it. Against this lineup, anyways. Of course, hindsight's 2020. Only goes two innings before Rocco pulls him. Starts playing that bullpen game, which I want to break down here in a minute. But first, let's just start with your initial gut reaction, how everything went down in game four from your perspective. Just give us your overview of how everything played out today. Maybe the two or three biggest turning points in game four from your eyes. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty poetic how it all went down and the vibes were good late. I mean, the twins bullpen had 15 straight up and down. It it just, it was all setting up for that moment. And then the twins end the game with Carlos Correa, who would have loved to have been that moment Man. on deck. And I had no issue with the pitching decisions. Caleb Thielbar dealt with uh, giving up homers late in the season, especially, and that's what came back to rear its ugly head. And at the end of the day, if you only have a 697 OPS in the postseason, you get what you deserve. Too many twins with really, really bad series, really even uh, pretty bad postseason on the whole. And uh, the Twins are staying home, and that's pretty much what they deserve right now. Yeah, well said. And I got to say, I know it's easy now, but you lose this game by one run, right? And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, man, Royce Lewis hits that home run in the first, which was great. Obviously, you take it. But the play before, Edward Julian got tagged up at second base by Pena on a bang-bang play, man. Just super unlucky, wrong place, wrong time. And you don't think much of it at the time with eight innings to go. That run, I mean, could have been the difference between forcing a game five and ending your season, which it eventually did. These are the things we'll pick apart now for the next five months, rest assured. Uh, Let's go through everything piece by piece, a little bit more in depth. Uh, Again, you mentioned the pitching. The pitching plan, Joe Ryan on the mound. It felt like Rocco kind of had his mind made up either way for good or bad that Joe was only going two innings no matter what. It it felt like he just wanted him to get through the meat and potatoes part of that one through five, one through six part of the order. So pulls him after two, gives up the solo shot, ties everything back up at one apiece. And again, I know it's easy now, but it just felt like unless you were going to get like, I don't know, three, four good innings from a Chris Paddock or a middle reliever, that line of thinking would likely come back to bite you later in the game. At least that's what they were talking about on the broadcast a lot. Those guys that usually lean into later in the game, those guys the most, kind of like robbing Peter to pay Paul, I guess, in a sense. But you said you were okay with it. Tell me why you like the move and the strategy, just to talk some Twins fans off the ledge that maybe didn't like Rocco's game plan going in. Well, you have to win today. And you just try to create an ace in the aggregate, giving up three runs to this Astros team, including none after the let's see fourth inning you know nothing after the fourth inning 
that's what you would hope for your starter to do. The plan worked. The offense just took a giant goose egg, we'll call it. Um, three hits, all those strikeouts. I mean, it just it was first half offense and second half September pitching, uh, especially because it was bullpen guys and their bullpen was great in September. And that just doesn't work in the postseason against a team like the Astros who have been there before, come in and take care of business on the road, undaunted. Um, I, I just, I'm kind of at a loss for words. It, it, there's yeah. just, there were so many times where this offense just completely lacked a plan. And Urquidy had terrible numbers this year. He dealt with injuries. Uh, he gave up two homers. And at the same time, it just didn't matter. Uh, you have nobody to blame but yourself. If 2023 Framber Valdez shuts you down, you had chances against Neris who couldn't locate his split. But when push came to shove, they got it to the last two guys who got five strikeouts of the six outs they got. I said it in the podcast this morning that they needed to get to uh, Urquidy. I think I might have said Framber before. Urquidy. Mm-hmm. They needed to get to Urquidy early, and they got one in the first, which technically counts. But then to sleepwalk the rest of the way, pick up one in the sixth on that Julianne Homer. And then, uh, I mean, the vibes were there. It just feels like every other playoff team, when it leads up with 15 straight by your bullpen, the fans are on fire. Um, you you have chances late. Uh, for whatever reason, this these twins just couldn't figure it out. And, um, you know, called third strike to end the season is just a microcosm of what this offense was like for far too long this year. Yeah, um, you know, you kind of mentioned, I mean, Christian Javier last night, he had the junk in the trunk, five innings, nine Ks. Then tonight, you mentioned it, Jose or Kitty, another gem, five and two-thirds, just three hits, two earned. But once again, it was just it was just all the swings and misses, it felt like, at least for me on my end anyways, yep. 11 strikeouts through eight innings. I guess they had one in the last as well, so 12 strikeouts and nine innings. And the Twins lineup, and again, outside of those two solo shots, and a beautiful play, by the way, by Bergman at third base off that rope shot by Royce Lewis, apparently was 104 miles off the bat, but it just never really felt like they got the barrel of the bat on the ball. They smacked the ball around with much authority on either guy in back-to-back days. So you kind of touched on it. I know you're kind of at a loss, but just maybe one more little stab at or an attempt. What happened to those red-hot bats we saw in the month of September, do you think? I mean, October, you face great pitching. They struck That's out 31.6% true. of the time in their two series. And, I mean, they actually, for all things considered – held the Astros down in the series. The Astros actually hit uh, below 200 in the series. So, I mean, they, they did everything that was necessary. The Twins pitching staff had uh, strikeout plus per inning, didn't really walk anybody. It was homers, eight homers in five games. Sorry, uh, four games of this series, but eight homers. And uh, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to work. It's, it's yeah. absolutely not going to work. Yeah, it's easy to forget because, again, they beat the Blue Jays, so you're just kind of riding high on that momentum yep. finally break the curse 0-18 in the playoffs, but they only scored five total runs in that series. Granted, I know it's only two games, but then in four games this time around, they only scored 13 runs, which, I mean, okay, that's not atrocious, especially, like you said, in the playoffs, facing off, squaring up against some just gems, some dynamite pitchers in the playoffs, so it's not atrocious, but against the Astros lineup, 
you just think more times than not. That's just not going to do it. They had some opportunities last night. Again, we talked about it. Five walks yesterday. They go one for nine with runners in scoring position. Today was kind of the opposite story. Just two runners left on base. 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. And again, it wouldn't be so disappointing, I don't think, if we weren't so used to watching one of the best hitting teams in the entire league since the All-Star break. So I don't like ever want to pick on one guy because it's a team game, obviously. But when you look back at this series, whether it's a specific player or a coaching decision or whatever it may be, what was the thing that disappointed you the most compared to maybe the expectations you had coming into this series? Well, Alex Kirloff and Matt Walner in the postseason went a combined zero Ugh. for 23. Brutal, dude. Kirloff goes on the IL. Is he not telling people when he's hurt? I, mean, oh, I don't right. understand it. You like, start to ask those questions, though, for sure. There's not enough. There's there's no margin for that. If If his issue helped him or hurt him on that play in the first inning of game three, that alone should have been enough. Um, it should have been before that. Like, I just, I, I cannot fathom how those two guys combined to go 0 for 23. Or, yeah. Um, 0 for 17 with walks. I'm sorry. 23 plate appearances, no hits. Mm, um, unbelievable. It's, it just, it can't happen. And uh, that the, the bottom portion of the order was an abject disaster. Mm -hmm. If the offense showed up from the second half, in this series, the twins are celebrating on that field. As you and I speak, mm. uh, you and I are dousing ourselves with whatever beverages we have in our uh, office mm -hmm. refrigerators. Um, they didn't show up. They did. The offense did not show up. They reverted back into their first half self where they were passive. They looked at everything. Um, again, I know Verlander's tough. I know Christian Javier's tough. I know Fromber's tough, but Urquidy should have been a kind of guy they jump all over, and instead they just lay an egg. Uh, it's it's baffling. It's absolutely baffling. Yeah, absolute gut punch for sure. No, well said again. Um, and you know, obviously, to beat the best, excuse me, to be the best, you got to beat the best. That's how that goes. Yeah. Uh, at this point, deep in the playoffs, every team is good. Every lineup is good. All these pitchers are good. But just talk about just for thirty seconds how good this Astros team is for a minute, and how special the run they've been on truly is when it comes to like the history of the game. Because seven straight ALCS appearances is—I mean—that's just kind of mind-boggling for me. I know you know the game, the history of the game a little bit better, but I think about the Chiefs in football, right? The NFL—they've made it to five straight AFC Championship games, which is insane. But the Astros got that beat with seven in a row. I mean, that's just sick, man. The faces change, but the results stay the same. It's crazy. They don't have Carlos Correa anymore. They don't have George Springer anymore. They don't have A.J. Hinch managing anymore. They don't have Alex Cora on their bench as a bench coach anymore. But they just keep trucking. It's just professional at bat after professional at bat after professional at bat. Vince Pitcher struck out 10 Astros tonight, and it still was overshadowed by the fact that every single twin in the starting lineup struck out at least once mm -hmm. in this game. It, if you wanted a more frustrating 2023 Twins-like game to end the season, this was a microcosm of every single thing that ticked people off about this offense for the bulk of the season. Absolutely unconscionable. 
Um, again, I know, I know it's the postseason and it's tough. It's supposed to be tough, but uh, it just it it's it leaves such a familiar taste in your mouth, especially as someone who has you know watches these games as part of uh, uh, one of their jobs. You know, you just mm-hmm. kind of fall into this lull of like, okay, come on, something different, please. I'm begging you, and uh, just never came. Yeah, a lot of Twins fans out there sharing your pain, obviously. Again, now my mind's thinking NFL. 2011 to 2018, the New England Patriots made it to eight straight AFC championships. That was the Brady-Belichick combo, who made it to 13 in all, 13 AFC championships in all. But um, again, Astros, what they're doing, awfully impressive run, just forces you to sit back and kind of say, wow, and that gauntlet of a lineup, man, absolutely stacked top to bottom, but specifically one through five. Now that I got to sit down and just watch these guys, this lineup, four games in a row, uh, top to bottom, lineup's great, but one through five, man, just a murderer's row for opposing pitchers. This series versus the Twins, it was Alvarez and Abreu, obviously, who did most damage. 14 of the 20 runs they scored, those two alone put up in four games. Uh, 10 home runs in all, which is wild. And again, it just seemed like in every loss in this series, every time the Twins had something going, the Astros came up with a huge play to kind of calm things down and get out of whatever jam it was relatively scotch-free. So, I mean, I know you just watched them for four games up close, but are they your pick to go to the World Series after watching them so closely, though? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the Rangers have kind of that vibe. You know, there's one team that carries all the way through on vibes every year. I mean, all the way through, you know, deep into the postseason. Might be two with the Diamondbacks really roughing up the Dodgers. But uh, honestly, it, it comes to, you know, an upstart versus that team that's been there before. And at the very least, it's entertaining. But I usually favor the team that's been there before just because there's no replacement. There's no substitute for experience in October. You have to get it somehow. You don't just have it in <laughs> inherently. Even guys like Carlos Correa had to get that experience at some point. But um you know, I think Houston is going to be very, very, very difficult. And it's a Texas ALCS. I, it's going to be mm. so entertaining, uh, you know, for, for being a Twins type. It, it'll still be extremely watchable, extremely enjoyable. Just a real shame that, uh, you know, it was close, but no cigar for your Twins. Yeah, yeah. Seven straight ALCS appearances for them. And like they said on the broadcast, too, they're virtually unflusterable man because they've been through it all they've seen it all virtually nothing shakes them and the Mm -hmm. twins obviously found that out this week in the ALDS all right I want to recap the 2023 season a little bit more look ahead to the 2024 campaign and what that might all look like but first quick reminder this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical life throws plenty of curveballs at us that's why the Jace case is out there providing you with five condom, five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, giving you the peace of mind. You got access to the right medication on hand whenever you need it with the Jace case. Jace case is simple. They handle the entire evaluation process. Plus they got licensed pharmacy medication delivery to your doorstep, along with the consultations and care when you need it. Save over $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. Plus you can save an additional $20 when you use the code locked on. That's one word locked on at checkout over at jacemedical.com. J A S E medical.com. Use the promo code locked on for the peace of mind when you need it. 
All right, man, try and think all the way back to April and all the preseason expectations this team had to where we are now, what you watched unfold and witnessed these last six months. Try to summarize the 2023 twin season best you can and some of the best highlights and maybe moments that you can remember we had along the way. It's a good pivot point. Where do you go from here? Mm -hmm. And the taste of the postseason can be intoxicating, but we all know there's no guarantee you get back there. It's going to be extremely difficult to defend this crown against a Cleveland team that won't, at least won't go away easily. The Tigers are on the right track and all that. I think the most memorable part of it for me was just the shot in the arm that Royce Lewis seemed to give the team when he got healthy and was finally ready to, to join the team. Um, I think this tw Twins team widely overachieved when you consider that Byron Buxton was uh, basically unavailable after August 1st and really had a nosedive leading into that stretch. Carlos Correa has the worst offensive season of his career, and you only get about a half a year of Royce Lewis, and the Twins still did enough to win 87 games, run away with the division, and make some noise in October. This team made noise in October. I mean, you don't have to love it, but they were 3-3. Three and three. You yeah. know, it's, it's not – Anything you're going to write home about, it's not anything you're going to write that's going to win a Pulitzer Prize, but it's a step in the right direction and one that we haven't seen in two-plus decades. Twins still, and I actually mentioned this, have not won a game later than October 8th in any year since 1991. So there's still work to do. Still work to do. Um, but it's a stepping stone. Absolutely. The problem is, do you slip on that stepping stone and fall backwards? Right. Or do you step up again? How do you replace Sonny Gray? How do you replace even some of your bench guys, Donovan Solano, some of these other guys? Like it's it's going to be an interesting offseason. Michael A. Taylor, you know, do you try to bring him back with Buxton's situation in flux as far as if he can play center field? What what does his knee have um left in it? So um it's a hopeful season. It's a season of progress. The Twins, barring anything too surprising, should go into next year as the odds-on favorite to win the division. But that doesn't mean anything to start the season, let alone at the end of the season before. Looking forward to an active offseason. Looking forward to the Twins making some moves that are very uh, aggressive. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah, well said. Royce Lewis coming out party this year. Not that we really needed one. We knew how good he could be. Right, Just needed right. to see him stay healthy for a string of games there. If you need something to help you sleep good tonight after this tough loss, just remember Royce Lewis, four home runs in his first six postseason games, which is awfully fun to think about. Royce Lewis, Ed Julian, Matt Walner, Carlos Correa in the mix. Talk about the young core, the young nucleus, this team, and that young foundation that – you expect they'll build around now this offseason. Like, what's all that kind of look like, in your opinion? Maybe Brooks Lee coming up the pipeline as well. But the young guys. Yeah, I think what is going to come down to is probably grabbing another pitcher in free agency or maybe a okay. trade. Because you have Julian, who looks like he's going to be a fixture. Walner looks like he could be a guy for them. You're still hoping one of Larnick or Kirilov pans out. And like you said, Brooks Lee... Um, Carlos Correa is entrenched. I still think you bring back Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler. The foundation is there for a very, very good baseball team. It's just a matter of how do you go from very, very good to um, staring down the barrel of Houston when they stare back at you. And um, it did feel a little bit like a big brother, little brother situation here. Uh, it was a good matchup for the Twins in the sense that their weaknesses and Houston's weaknesses matched up 
you know, very, uh, how would you put it? It was a very complimentary. It was, yeah. uh, you know, my best against your worst, your best against my worst, see what happens. And so it's just going to be a matter of now asserting themselves uh, moving forward and looking like a team who can uh, not only go into October, but throw their weight around, you know, that again, it's a stepping stone. A lot of these guys were getting their first experience. Um, and it was kind of obvious. Carlos Correa hit 474 in the postseason. Nobody else on the team hit better than 263, and that was Max wow. Kepler. Such a um, huge drop off. Wow. Right. You know, October Korea is a real thing, but um, you know, how fun is it to go somewhere when you don't bring any friends with you? Well said. Very well said. Um, I know you mentioned Sonny Gray, Solano, Michael A. Taylor. I think Chris Paddock, correct me if I'm wrong. Also, no, they signed him. They got oh, they did. signed. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that actually makes me feel a little bit better. Who yep. else is noteworthy in, in the free agent department and any girl early guesses uh, on which moves they could make to retain or let go, I guess, any of those top three or four big names? It sounds like you think they might be kind of aggressive next offseason yep. coming off an ALDS appearance. So free agents, um, they have – I want to make sure I get all the right guys here. Um, you have Solano. You're going to have, um, why am I, well, I'm, I'm just blanking here because I'm going down the list and it's all younger guys. Uh, it's, it's not going to be too many guys who are like pivotal, but it's going to be like the bit players. They might non-tender Kyle Farmer, Donovan, the glue, Solano. Kind of the glue guys. Yeah, yeah, the bit. glue guys. Um, but otherwise, like the core is going to be back. It's more going to be, you know, how do you address those margins and, um, you know, how do you find the next Donovan Solano? How do you find the next Kyle Farmer if you don't bring him back? It's it's not going to be a crazy group of free agents uh, unless they decline the options on uh, Max Kepler's got one for 10 million. Jorge Polanco's got one for 10 and a half. Um, and honestly, I think they're I think they're both going to be back. I know a lot of people don't think they are, but um, I have no idea why you wouldn't bring at the very least Polanco back. He's still a perfectly productive hitter. And uh, honestly, Kepler was their best hitter in the second half. So, um, well, or one of, I'd probably say he's sure. the best one. Uh, yeah, so I'm bringing both fair. of those guys back. And then um, as far as 2024 is concerned, it just kind of comes down to what Jose Miranda do you get? Will there be anywhere for him to play? And, um, you know, if they can get a few guys healthy, you got Nick Gordon that, you know, spent most of the year on the shelf. Uh, Buxton, is he going to have surgery? Is he going to have, you know, what? Uh, Correa, will the fasciitis dissipate over the offseason that's the expectation uh it's gonna be filling in the gaps of a good roster where um those guys in addition to youngsters kind of carried the team you know there were so many uh, instances this year where donovan solano had moments where you're like yes i'm glad that guy is on the team it was kind of like Gio Urshela last year but maybe not quite to that extent mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so again the, the roster building is going to be curious because the foundation is pretty solid and it just comes down to where do they focus their efforts? How many starting pitchers do they think they need with, you know, Joe Ryan kind of a little wobbly at the end of the season, obviously Pablo number one with the bullet at the top there. Um, Paddock looks like he could be a thing for them moving forward, uh, which means they could make that trade really look like a big win. Even after. Yeah, uh, that's true. The they could salvage that whole thing. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, percentage chance. Sonny Gray's in a Minnesota twins uniform next season. three to 5%. Wow. Honestly, Total I don't stop. see it. I, okay. the only way I think it happens is if he accepts the qualifying offer and he, he seems, I'll say this actually, I'll say 
No, I'm going to say 10%. He seems like the kind of guy who might just want that one year and then reevaluate after each year if he wants to play baseball anymore. Like he's for cousins at the end of his career, a little yeah, one year he's, extension. He's an, he's, an, he's an older guy who knows what he wants, knows where he wants to be. And if it's Minnesota and it's on a one year deal, the QO will get him about, I think, 18, $20 million, which um, on a per year value is, is pretty solid. It's not, yeah. it's not what he could get if he goes for top dollar. Um, you know, he could probably get a three-year deal for $75 million if he wanted. That's the original Kirk Cousins contract, isn't it? I think uh, it's like pr- pretty dang close. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if, if that's what he wants, he could get that from probably a handful of teams. Yeah. If he's happy with where he's at, some guys at the end of their career just do a one-on, 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 um, you know, just a, a, a contract after a contract a year at a time and just kind of take it from there. I could see that being the case, but I would say it's a very minute possibility somewhere in that five to 10% range. All in all, Sonny Gray or not, whether he's back or not, sounds like he probably won't be. Start to mentally prepare yourselves for that, Twins fans. But all in all, comparing it to an NFL offseason, the core is intact. It's like, okay, our only big needs is like, okay, left guard, maybe a a sub-package, third-down defensive pass rusher, a third safety. The glue guys, some role players for sure. But all in all, knock on wood, sounds like, the core is intact, which is awfully fun to think about building off this fun uh, 2023 season for sure. Uh, last one here, if there's one thing maybe some people are worried about. I know you touched on Byron Buxton and the knee, but what do you think all that looks like? Like, what's your best guess as far as his future, his role here in Minnesota moving forward now? It's murky. And I, it, the problem is how murky can it be with, you know, half a decade left on your contract? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, how much can his knee heal by any means? I mean, you're talking rest. You could do, I mean, I don't know if stem cells would be an option, but some sort of uh, platelet-rich plasma injection. Or do you go in there and cut it up? Um, well, it's got to be one of those three, and they got to make the decision pretty soon, I would suspect, because, you know, it surgery takes time to recover. And if you want to be ready for opening day next year, um you know, you gotta, you gotta make that decision pretty quick here. So I, I'm going to continue to hold out hope against hope just because that's the kind of guy I am. And we had Paul Molitor on a podcast I hosted about a year ago. And he said, you know, it's, it's not likely, but I know a guy who had more of more of their success after 30 than maybe they would have expected. And he mm-hmm. meant himself, oh, you know, sure. he meant himself. <laughs> um, so he said, it's not impossible in early in his career. He had injury issues. And then kind of figured it out. Certainly DHing helped Buxton DH this year. Maybe that's the path he's on, the Paul Molitor path. But if it didn't keep him healthy this year, what do you do differently? Or do you not do anything differently? Or does it get to a point where he just realizes he can't play at the level he wants to anymore? And maybe that's it. Like, I'm not thinking that's the case. And I'm certainly not hoping that's the case. But you have to put everything on the table here. Um Anything could be the case. I'm hopeful. I'm eager to see what happens. But okay. until then, I suspect they will be looking for another center fielder to kind of have the Michael A. Taylor role. Could it be Willie Castro? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Could it be, you know, Austin Martin, who had a really nice year at AAA? Um, maybe. They're going to need to figure all this out. They're going to need to figure it out pretty quickly. But it's going to make for an entertaining offseason and probably some pretty good podcasting, I think. Uh, first of all, shout out Paul Molitor, big friend of the show, obviously. Love Paul. Right. Um, I will say, let me just close with this. Probably what's most encouraging and probably, 
on the same token, what probably makes things even more confusing and difficult is probably the fact the Twins played their best baseball this year and did their most damage without Byron Buxton in the lineup. So obviously you hope he comes back healthier and better than ever. But if not, if not, we know there is life beyond him and the future still is going to look bright, awfully bright, I should say, either way. Um, before we close up shop, reminder, subscribe to the show channel if you haven't already. Plus, make sure you're subscribed to the Lockdown Twins podcast. Brandon continues to break down the Minnesota Twins going into the offseason. Don't worry, pitchers and catchers will report before you know it. All right, man, before we close, give us your final thoughts, predictions. 2024 World Series, who you got? Oh, wow. Next year's World Series or this year's? I'm sorry, 2023. I'm not mentally. I'm just ready ah. for jump into the Twins 2024 season. Who you got in this year's World Series? What do you I want to see Texas and I want to see Arizona, which means we're going to see cool. Philly, and then which means we're going to see Philly and Houston. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't I think I think Philly is going to push Atlanta out and I think it's going to be the vibes with Philly right now are off the charts. So it, I'm my my heart is saying Texas Arizona but my head is saying Houston Philly. Yeah, Bryce Harper with not one but two bomb shots today and a couple stare downs, by the way, as well, playing with a little, little swag the hey, Phillies hey, are. You know who he was staring at? The mm. the baby brother of former Minnesota twin, Oswaldo Arcia. Unbelievable. That's what you get when you come on the Minnesota Twins postcast. Thanks for everybody for following, watching all season long. Twins, they run into a buzzsaw today, ends the 2023 season, losing to the Astros 3-2 to in Game 4. But hey, again, huge, huge shout out to everyone who joined us tonight on the postcast and every postcast all season long. Quick reminder, one last time, go check out Brandon every day on the Locked on Twins podcast. He's pumping out everything you need to know all off season long about the Twins and their 2024 plans. Again, as pitchers and catchers, they'll report in just four months from now. How about that? That's crazy. That'll do it for us. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman at Brandon underscore Warren. Follow all our work over on the Locked on Sports Minnesota Network and Locked on Twins podcast network as well. He's Brandon Warren. I'm Luke Inman. Until next time. Signing out.